0: Hey, I finally did the thing I've been so terrified that I would do this entire time and recorded a lovely, eloquent, articulate 10-minute uh, header for this program, and I was on the wrong channel. And so it all just, it just went straight to hell. Went up into the ether, through the eye of the needle, and then straight to hell. Uh, the. Let's see, uh, I'm me, you're you, we're here let's do this. Uh, day after Thanksgiving, so full still, I'm just, I'm full of, uh, delicious food and good vibes and it feels real weird. I had, uh, went and ate a a teeny tiny little mushroom yesterday and then went over to, um, I commuted all the way down the street to my mother's house. Uh, my mom and my sister Tashina made this incredible feast for us and, uh, so I had Thanksgiving with our neighbor, Nicole, and I gabbed with the girls. Uh, we gossiped and laughed and told stories and, uh, oh so funny, so fun. Uh, just such a good day. And, um, my brain is soft today for it, uh, for, for all the, the carbs against humanity, just coursing through my bloodstream. Um, On the show today, we have uh, comedian Kyle Pogue. Uh, But first, but first, a word from our sponsor. Uh, The sponsor of the podcast is me, because fuck reading commercials, Uh, the Squarespace. uh, Come on, get out of here. Yeah, not going to do that. Instead, I'm just going to shill for all my stuff the... When this podcast is hitting your eardrums, I will be on the road with my little dog, Sadie, and my big dog, Rad Pinkard, uh, my emotional support dogs. And uh, our first show is going to be—actually, Rad's not on this one, unfortunately. We couldn't make it happen. But uh, November 30th, we'll be at Comedy Fort in Fort Collins, Colorado, with um, with a real Hall of Fame there. Ben Roy, uh, Sam Talent— uh Haley Raven, Steph Bright. Uh Pogue is hosting. It's going to be uh if you're in Colorado, you know that this is the best and the brightest of the comedy scene there and also me. Uh so come for them and stay for me. Um then uh my run of shows with Rad kicks off December 1st. Uh we're going to be at Backswing Brewery in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh December 2nd we're at Backswing Brewery in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh A brewery so nice, they named it twice. Uh, December 3rd, we're at at Barrel of the Bottoms in Kansas City, Missouri. December 4th, we're at the Painted Door Series house show in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, December 5th, we are going to take off to just to lick our wounds and watch a lot of forensic files in some weird hotel room somewhere. Uh, December 6th, we're doing a house show in Chicago with my buddy Scotty Coomer and uh, Scotty Coomer from 10 Junk Miles. Uh, with uh, a couple of my favorite comics, uh, Tremaine Bradley and Colin Nelson. December 7th, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, at the Can Can Cinema and Brasserie. And then the next day, I dump uh, a dump out at the airport. I'll show up in Athens, Ohio. I'll be there for the month of December. And then I'll be touring back in January with uh, with Jake Flores and my little dog, too. Um so I don't know if you're if you're in the the path that we're going through please come out. It would be awesome to see you. The I haven't done this in a long time. It, every year I get softer and weaker and it gets harder and harder to get out on the road. So um come to these shows. Um the also December 14th um in Columbus, Ohio, I'll be opening up for John Langford, uh from the Mekons. Um so if you're in Ohio, yeah, come hang. Um there might be some pickup shows in Athens or Columbus too. We'll see. The Um <clears throat> Today's podcast, my guest, uh Kyle Pogue, the it's funny, I I have a, I have some really close friends uh some of whom I've taken a very long time to to have on the podcast Pogue is one of them. The this episode is going to be disappointing because it's it will be the softest mushiest podcast uh you've heard from me. I I really love Pogue. I I've had a hard time with Male friendships in my life because a lot of them seem to be based on uh, competition and treachery and obstacles to intimacy, and that's particularly true when I meet somebody who's a fan of my work because I, um, I've had a lot of people do a lot of weird shit and it's made me sort of suspicious and cagey. The you know. Of When somebody's like, oh, I really liked your book or I really like your your songs, my first worst thought is, what are you trying to get out of me? And when I met Pogue, he was what's known in the biz as a punisher, uh, one of those super enthusiastic fans who will like grab hold of your hand and then not let go and just corner you and tell me, Oh man. And then then that part, like, Oh, that was so great. I really loved that part. And then when you did this, Oh, it was so cool that I did. I tell you how my dad died? Oh, and then this, and and you're like, man, I just, just trying to sell a t-shirt, you know, the, but, uh, Pogue, uh, ended up setting a run, setting up a run of shows for me in Colorado. The, which I did, even though I was unsure of him. And then, the shows were so great. He was so fucking funny. I, I had such a fun time hanging out with him. I was like, damn it. Okay. that fe- Now I feel obligated to like bring you out for a couple of shows. So I did. I brought him out for a couple of shows with me on the road and I made sure I flew him like spirit airlines. And I think I paid extra to get him a middle seat, like near the bathroom that didn't recline, just doing everything I can to break this guy's will. And he was just such a pleasure have on the road just this like huge puppy dog um of enthusiasm and uh you know incredibly reliable uh like a comic for any occasion for all occasions everybody my greatest misgiving about pogue is that everybody i've introduced him to including fucking stanhope uh liked him more than they like me and uh so I don't know I gotta talk to my therapist about that the but this podcast took on sort of a weird life because uh'cause pogan you know it's been a long couple of years I think for all of us uh Pogue is one of my you know the friends who was sort of talking me through that, but we ended up talking a lot about um his his lifestyle the i think the i mean the scientific word for it is uh, man-whore. Uh, I think they like to use the word uh, poly or um, open or non, non-monogamous. non But uh, Pogue's in a relationship with this incredible woman, Bandy, so we ended up talking a lot about uh sex and love and intimacy and shame and monogamy and polyamory just a conversation i haven't had with anybody before um so i don't know i think i think you're going to love this one it's like it's just two large emotionally damaged men uh talking about their love uh for evan bandy <laughs> this is a uh, this is an evan bandy fan cast now So, uh, thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode with, uh, one of my best friends, my road wife, Kyle Pogue. Mishka Shibali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him.
1: And weights, that kind of stuff. I uh, I
0: love that even your office is just like a '70s porno workout room.
1: Yeah, it's all deadlifts and masturbation over here, man.
0: <laughs> and and you have the um, like the telethon headset. Like uh, the, <laughs> we're doing a fundraiser for my dick. The, <laughs> please call.
1: Uh, yeah, you you did say to use the headset, right? I've got airpods if that's better but this is a better quality right
0: the i i think i think that's better i think that's fine the it's funny because like uh comics and podcasters and um the comics seem to have uh good quality stuff and then all the musicians that i know um they're like oh yeah i'm, I'm coming to you from this tin can telephone <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, if there's one thing comics are good at, it's making sure everyone can hear every fucking word we have to say all the time, (laughs) all day. Uh, Is it? Is are you recording video or does video get released or is it just, uh,
0: no, that's just for my personal spank bank. No, it's just so we can, uh, just so we can look each other in the eye. And um, today specifically, it's so you can appreciate how fucking bad my mustache looks. Look at this. Like, oh, what'd you try to trim it? No, the I went. I went to get a haircut today because I it was time for my quarterly haircut, and uh, I go to the I go to the Mexican place because it's uh, it's the closest place and they're cheap and there's one person there who speaks English. So if she's there, I get my haircut, and if she isn't, then I don't because <laughs> <laughs> I learned once that just getting the. The just point and smile in a barber shop doesn't fucking work like it does in a grocery store.
1: Oh man, I bet I bet I bet you walked out of there with a, a real gem. Uh, yeah. oh god, I wish I would have seen that.
0: Yeah, it looks squeaky clean. It looked like a wedding <laughs> DJ. The but
1: now like today I, I, I've 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 taken
0: a journey with this woman you know she's cut my hair I don't know uh, four times over the last three years and I've decided it was time to trust her with my beard and so I I didn't give her any feedback and she she, I have a little like John Waters mustache now there's like there's like a full like three quarters of an inch clearance for between there's a parking space between my nose and where my mustache starts
1: and you raise so your camera's like coming down can you this like tilt your chin up so i can you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right good yeah <laughs> fucking laugh at me you fucking lumberjack asshole yeah. that's definitely <laughs> got some like uh yeah some john waters some uh uh, uh you know uh, hemingway era uh grooming to it
0: it's so weird because like looking in the mirror I, I i just don't recognize myself i'm like wait what it's like the i got it did i get a facelift or the what's the uh, yeah, it's terrible. I can't wait for my nose hair to grow back in. The, it just—it feels so weird. The, and then if I shave my mustache off and keep the beard, then that's that's just an
1: entirely uh, new gross look. The oh, the like the Amish. Yeah, yeah. The oh god, I can't imagine you pulling that god. off. You can pull off a lot of looks, but I've I done know. that one. I and we, you and I both—we don't have the heads for it. If you have an oblong head. Then the Amish just looks crazy as shit if you, if you do it without, <laughs> it, you know, no mustaches. That's not for us, man.
0: It used to be whenever I was, when I would like grow out the full on sort of like, uh, you know, homeless serial killer, uh, head of hair, beard, mustache, like in the winter. And then in the spring when I would shave my entire, my entire body, the, then I would just go through every unfortunate um the like do, do the mohawk and like the you, you know shave just my mustache and then shave the, the huge ridiculous chops the you know sort of every possible incarnation to satisfy my and it it's funny cuz like then you look at those 16 pictures and it's like looking at a thing of um like haircuts appropriate for uh um the white gang leader in prison <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that. that's like
1: I was gonna say every i'm sure every iteration of that you probably look like what you jt and uh mclean uh you know say (laughs) that i look like all the time just the worst white supremacist ever and which is true man every time i've done like a weird beard i just can't Mm. i can't get away the weird beards just instantly make me look like i'm i'm trying to you know take over the prison gang it's it's no good
0: it's it's funny just the how the way we look involved, um, informs how we move through the world. I was just out on the road with Derek Sheen and the, and he talks a lot about, he's five foot two and he talks a lot about being a smaller guy and, and being picked on and stuff. And, and when I was a kid, I was always there with, you know, for the fucking short jokes. Cause I'm tall. And I was like, just don't do it. Just don't fucking do it. Don't ever make a single <laughs> short joke. Oh, and now I'm gonna make them all. Oh fuck! Here we go, Derek. I'm sorry. The at when I can't when. Oh God, poke! When we were getting ready to to get in the car, he like he got in the passenger seat, and his his tiny little baby legs just folded up so neatly. There, he looked like the world's oldest baby. like a beard and a full set of teeth and the whole head of hair and just tiny little tiny oh, little you legs. bastard
1: now d- now you're making me want to roast one of the sweetest most talented comedians in the world oh. uh, sweet derek sheen but you know derek's so short that it doesn't matter if he bombs because he's already in a foxhole you know he's <laughs> <Be> safe <laughs> i'm sorry derek i love you
0: i <laughs> well i mean the and the other thing is like when Uh, when you're a comic the you're always looking for the joke and then when derek was short enough that neither one of us like i wasn't trying to make i was i wasn't trying to certainly wasn't trying to force jokes if anything i was trying to dodge him and he wasn't trying to make them but then when we were in tucson he was trying to hop up into a little uh, to a bar stool (laughs) so he's trying to hop up like bud first and the stool keeps moving away and our eyes met and, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> so, and, and then they, they finally on the drive back that we were like in the, in some fucking quickie mart or whatever and i went i went to use the bathroom and then came out and i was like oh i guess i guess he's already out in the car no he was in one of the aisles and, the, <laughs> and the aisles were like five three He's five two. He just disappeared. And I was like, the do I oh, go God. go up to the cat? Uh I'm sorry, miss. I've 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 lost well, I' not haven't lost my child. I've lost like what, kind of like a weird uncle, the, like a little <laughs> dashboard wizard.
1: <laughs> it, does, it definitely does look like a, a, a looks like a tiny wizard. People are going to be like, "Hey, how was the podcast with Michigan?" And I'm be like, "Great, hey, it was just us laughing at people that we find genetically inferior."
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and that's what I realized. I was trying to think of the. I was trying to turn it on myself, and I, you know, and not, um not bag on Derek's body. Um, and then that made me realize I, my body is just, I just have a bully body type. Like Thanks. that's what the, you know, the, and, and you do too. We just, we look the, um, the exterior ma- matches the interior. We look like we're horrible people. And it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. And it's then totally we don't true. disappoint. <laughs> the, <laughs> now we're, well, we're I,
1: I will say this about Derek uh whatever genetic, superior jokes i make about him the genetic superiority he got is that he's much much funnier than me (laughs) that is a dude crazy funny human being man (laughs) he had
0: me like cough laughing night after night and it's it's i remember when i was playing in beat the devil we used to go uh we went one night to see fiery furnaces and we ended up leaving halfway through the show because we were we were shit-faced but we were also like the we need to go to the practice space and practice like this band is fucking blowing us away to the point that we can't bear to watch it anymore mm. we just need to leave and get to work and that was the feeling that i had watching watching derek work was i just at the beginning of the show i like watched him take a breath and then it was just seamless oh, yeah weaving between uh, grief and trauma and hilarity and heartbreak and loss and the um and when you or I get loud or angry on the mic, it's terrifying yeah. and pe- people physically recoil. And when Derek does it, it's fucking hilarious.
1: I and know. It, I'm jealous of that more than anything. I think, but yeah, it's he's so talented, man.
0: And and he and he holds. He also he doesn't use that. Um, he doesn't abuse it the way you or I would. It's like if we found a thing that right. worked, it's we'd be like, "All right, I'm going to oh go God back damn. to the well every time."
1: Every uh, time.
0: But you know, maybe like once or twice a set, he would sort of like <laughs> raise his voice a little bit and like get angry, and the and it just um is sold sold the bit every time, just fucking made it pop.
1: Yeah, and I think it's the it's the contrast, right? Like he is an immediately an endearing guy. He gets on stage and he's he's already charming. People just are charmed by him right when he gets up there. So the contrast of him being angry or or dangerous is fun where you and I get up there and we look like a problem that, and, and then when we're sweet and kind, that's where we can find our little funny spots. You know, I, I think that's the contrast, but as soon as I act the way people expect me to act, then it's the show is fucking over. <laughs> yeah. That's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, <clears throat> So, talk a little bit about that. that how lo- how long have you been doing comedy?
1: Started on February sixteenth, twenty fifteen. So I'm coming up on this, it'll be eight years. Yeah, and oh, uh, I mean, shit. you know, of course minus minus COVID. I did nothing for about a year and a half. I I was not <laughs> one of those hardworking comics that kept at it. The um, but well, you grew a nice beard. Yeah, I did, man. <laughs> my-
0: just careful who you entrust it to. You could lose that in <laughs> a fucking heartbeat, dude. <laughs> I came home just bleeding and shorn, like, God damn it. I'm trying the, to get uh, it rubbed off nightly. <laughs> hey, <yo. laughs> the um, It's weird that you remember the exact night that you started. Are you drinking out of a fucking ox horn like some? <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. The, Bandy is... got me this for my birthday. Of course she did. <laughs> it's a Viking horn.
0: Does it just lead directly to the ocean? You're just drink, drinking salt water. <laughs> it never no. It. It, it, it's it the automatically only thing, replenishes. The only thing that can keep you in check.
1: No, that. I remember the day because that's my birthday. It was February 6th. It was my birthday, Um, my 40th birthday. And I had met Erdman, uh, Jacob Erdman, in Fort Collins a few months before at a, a music show. He, We were both tm for bands at this show. And I think it was a Halloween show. And I had on fake uh, these massive fake tits, and <laughs> Erdman came up and and out of nowhere, Erdman just walks up to me and goes and found out later he was on ecstasy. He uh, pointed at the tits and he goes, "I'm gonna I'm gonna jack off to those later." And I said, "So am I, buddy." And we <laughs> like became best friends. A few months later, then I was like trying to think of something really really terrifying and memorable to do for my birthday. I thought, you know, I don't ever want to do comedy as the most terrifying thing in the world didn't want to be a performer none of that and then uh, that was that
0: i'm oh, so many sort of points of entry here i love that uh that you and erdman meeting it was sort of like you know highbrow and then you guys immediately jumped off that cliff oh yeah <laughs> Bond, bonded over the the elite breast humor still trying yeah. to hit
1: bottom with yeah. erdman. <laughs>
0: the, and also that he was your gateway drug to comedy that explains so much so much about the trajectory of your career the um so you i mean it's funny to me that you started comedy so late because you're such a fucking funny motherfucker and the i know it's i i've done enough of this shit to know that it's not that it doesn't just like roll off the tongue but the but what you do on stage looks so natural and so effortless the but i know that you had to like tone down your stage presence did you change like change your voice or change your presence or how you
1: dressed the i mean i tried everything in the beginning um and then you know <laughs> I, you know i loved uh bill burr stanhope um uh, you know just all the all the the ranchers man i wanted to get up there and you know rant about the things that made me angry and that just didn't work at all And so I went through a period where I was kind of impersonating Jezzel Neck, writing those like short, dark, one-liner things, which was actually a really cool time I look back on of learning how to write a joke by impersonating those really short, you you know, not impersonating actually, but you know what I mean? Like trying to write those short, sharp jokes really advanced my writing. But I was just hiding behind those personas, trying to figure out how to be me. And then one of the things that really clicked was when I – Realized that people responded so much better when I was very relaxed. When I looked like I was having fun up there, not Mm -hmm. angry, you know, I just went in the complete opposite direction. And that's where I kind of found my group. It's funny. Sometimes, like,
0: the way that we have to figure out um, what we're going to do and who we're going to be is by, like, um, following every blind alley at first. And, you know, the part of the process of getting it right is getting it wrong repeatedly for a long Mm. time um the the shit that you write off as like anthony jeselnik derivative i don't know i still think a lot of that shit is great and uh, um i hope you bring it back the next time we have to auction off your beard while we're on tour
1: <laughs> thanks man i still i do get to slip those in here and there i've found like it's just a there's a critical mass with those like if i if i put too many into a set it's over but just enough is like great for catching the crowd off guard and like that whole set that I did in Houston that time at that that punk show, the infamous punk show. Um <laughs> those, yeah, those 19-year-old punk rock kids loved it, but try doing that in a club in Fort Collins and you won't be asked back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the it's I mean, what's so compelling about that the dark jokes is you delivering that stuff with um with a real like soft touch, with a real light touch because it's so fucking creepy. It's so because <laughs> <the, so> <laughs> you are a really charismatic, good looking dude. And then for you to just sort of like deliver those, um, you know, jokes about murdering women uh, with uh, like with a soft voice and a wry smile. You're like, oh, he he seemed like such a nice boy. The, and it really has you like, oh, fuck. is I mean, is this is this just a confession? Should I be recording this? Like the do we need to call somebody? but but i think too that um uh for listeners we like uh we like risk you know the when when we shit on a comic because they're an edge lord it's because what they're they're just trying to fucking push people's buttons every every time at every turn with every line every joke yeah. and it, it it just gets to be it's like one note yeah. but if the but when you let it slip a little bit here and there the um people love it it's really it's rewarding to be surprised like that
1: yeah well and that's the whole thing i think it's like that uh, even even jesselnik like i've kind of lost you know interest in him because after a, a time it, it just is the same joke every time you know it becomes the same joke every time and that's what the any kind of lord shit it's just oh you're just gonna find something that, you know, is offensive and shove it down my throat. Not in a creative way. <laughs> like that's not fun for anyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think so much of comedy, like re- you relies on that um, pivot or um, like an inversion of expectation. Mm-hmm. And when, when it's the same pivot every time, it's sort of like, all right, man, <laughs> you know, the um, it, it's no longer a pivot. Then it just becomes the, you become a cliche
1: Yeah, but like you said, it's a cool, um, if you use it, right, it's a great tool to have in your your tool belt, right, is just knowing how to do that, like, take them over here to the right, and then boom, slam them to the left, you know, catch them with that, 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 you know, just having that kind of misdirection uh, has been really valuable to me in in all of my writing. And I I will credit, like, learning that from listening to Jezlemek and Amy Schumer's first album, I always bring that album up. Have you listened to that, Cutting? I have not. Maybe I should. It is awesome. I mean, it kind of sounds like Jezzel Neck wrote it. Uh, it's it's those kinds of jokes, but it's delivered in, you know, Amy Schumer in this like little sorority girl style. It is so goddamn funny and absolutely my favorite opener of any comedy album ever. She comes out, Mark Norman had opened for, she comes out, give it up for Mark Norman, everybody. Isn't he great? It's hard to believe that he has AIDS. And then, and then she just goes into the set. It's so funny, dude. <laughs>
0: The there's a lot of um female comics who turn me off because I feel like they're trying to compete with the frat boy level of grossness. Hmm. And the and sometimes it's effective. I did a show in West Virginia with Amber Falter, a comic from Columbus, Ohio, and she she opened up for me and she fucking blew me away. The, you know, she totally owned it. The and her closer was a, a story about going to a um music festival, taking too many drugs, and then the porta potty was false. So she convinced herself that instead of like pooping in the woods, she should like shit in her hand. Oh my God. And yeah. And it's a fucking, and, um, you know, she's petite and pretty and, and sort of has like kind of bouncy energy and the, and that story fucking slayed. If you or I (laughs) told that same story, people would just be disgusted and horrified and they would be right because, you know, we're large, disgusting men and the, um, there's no inversion there. And the, I, I think the first time I talked on <laughs> the first time I talked on stage about crying at a gas station, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised that, that people dug it, that they, they were into oh, it, yeah. that they felt it, but the, you know, I think it's because people still operate from an assumption that that guys are supposed to be. I don't know, shitting in their hands and the yeah. so when we talk about our feelings or whatever um it i don't know it
1: lands it gets through yeah yeah that's i, I that's something I'm, i want to to do more of is get into more I, I i think of what i do a lot of times as vulnerable because i'm being very open and honest about you know parts of my life that i don't want necessarily want my family to know about uh you know and, and so i'm i think of it as vulnerable in that way but it's not really vulnerable in in, in much of an emotional sense and i would like to t- kind of start tapping into that more it's a scary thing to do because i have the same way i don't think that the audience would like that from me but I, mm-hmm. I, I won't know till i try and and nine times out of ten if it's if it's honest enough you're gonna find something there that will grow into to something good you know what i mean
0: it's funny, one of the, you know, so you and I have fucking worked together a ton, toured together a ton. The, I probably spent, um, I may have spent a little more time on the road with JT than I have with you, but the, um, folks, if you're listening at home, uh, Pogue and I know each other far too well. Uh, <laughs> we've been through all kinds of shit together. But one of the jokes that you told that, um, that gave me a little fucking window into uh into you into who you are into what makes you tick was the way your eyes widened with childlike wonder and curiosity when you talked about the rainbow party and a bowl full of drugs and uh just uh <laughs> getting your dick sucked by a bunch of different people at a fucking rainbow party
1: <laughs> i forgot oh, all damn that is an Hold on, i forgot all about that joke uh and that was so that was you know a real thing the rainbow party thing that i heard a guy that i worked with on the oil rigs told me that his uh daughter got busted at one of these that they were having these are teenage you know like young, wow. like 14 year old kids doing this Jeez. rainbow party i wrote that joke it was crushing all over the place and then i did the um i did an all black club All black comics. I was the only white person in the building, literally.
0: Those were the best shows I've (laughs) ever seen.
1: Oh, yeah. It was an amazing show. And like, I was nervous because, you know, man, the comics were going before me were just crushing. They had so much energy. And I'm kind of a, you know, muted kind of a performance. And I went up there (laughs) and they were giving me every bit of leeway. They were being so encouraging. People in the front were literally nodding their heads and kind of giving me the like like you got it man don't worry you got it yeah and i did that joke and those nods turned to head shakes and they were like (laughs) nope we don't (laughs) want to hear any of this shit and that might be the last time i did that fucking joke dude i mean it was a sweaty bomb sweaty from head to toe oh that sucks the was a fun joke
0: one one of my favorite shows i've ever done was uh opening up for shauna christmas she did the uh black chicks and pink dicks uh, show and I was the only white I think I was the only, only white I mean I know I was the only white comic on that bill I think I was the only white comic on th- that entire run and the I just dressed the way I dress so I wore showed up wearing like a baseball cap uh, like plaid flannel and like you know a fucking denim jacket or something and I was like Jesus I just look like a fucking cartoon of a white boy you know Like the, <laughs> the, the thing about that joke is that's <clears throat> that made it interesting for me was the um, was what was revealed the, in that there's um, you know, we, we think that we're sort of controlling our material or curating it or choosing it or whatever to that. We're choosing to show people what we want to about ourselves, about our lives, about our opinions or whatever. But every once in a while, the um, we unwittingly, you know, reveal something about ourselves that that we don't intend to. Um, And the, and that was like watching that joke. I was like, man, this ain't a joke. (laughs) This is who Pogue is. He's all about just taking a fucking handful of drugs and the, in a room full of strangers and the, I'm going to fight my way out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess (laughs) I can't argue with you.
0: The, but you know one of the things that was so weird about it was that there was um there was there was no creep factor to it that you just uh you went into it with this sort of like earnest glee which <laughs> which is funny for me because every single joke that I tell is just soaked in shame.
1: <laughs> well I've never understood. I still don't understand like with the with debaucherous stuff, sex drugs, whatever it is. These things are so fun. Why you got to fuck it up? Why are you being a creep? Don't be a creep. If you're not a creep, it's so much better. You get more drugs and sex if you're not a creep. And then you're having more fun. I've never understood it. Uh, and I've also never understood the shame. Like, we all want to be having a great time. Like, embrace it. And, and you know, I mean, and I think it's an old Stanhope bit. Like, that's the most interesting thing about you. You're fucking your you're, you're, uh, vices. You know? Yeah. So I I don't know. I've never I've never gotten in. It makes me really mad when, you know, people in in drug and sex circles are fucking assholes because they're fucking it up for everybody else. It's um, all right. Well, fuck it.
0: Let's dive into this. The um, I enjoy the sex. I love ladies. I think think they're fucking awesome. I love um, the you know, that level of communication with another person and the but
1: also always feel bad oh I didn't always know, the I, did, I didn't know it, that about you you're into like ladies that uh, yeah the yeah big big
0: revelation here the this breaking news the but also the you know i i was really into drinking for a long time and i think part of what um it is really weird to look back at it and realize that i think part of what i loved about drinking was that i felt so bad the entire time you know the i felt barely under control while i was drinking and then i would just get vicious hangovers that would last for like three days um and yeah whenever you and i like fucking hang out and the you know, I'm like, all right, pogue, I'm going to sleep. And and you're like, you know, sitting in a fucking kiddie pool, uh, you know, while women are like just pour, funneling whiskey down your throat. And you're like, all right, man, I'll see you tomorrow. And then you like spring out of bed the next morning, like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I think I've seen you hungover once in our friendship.
1: Well, that and I know the one you're talking about, and that was literally like maybe the worst of my entire life. Definitely top five.
0: The, Unbelievable. When, when one, you were buddy. when you were here the earlier this year.
1: Oh, or, no. or was or when we were uh, on the road when we like were that, in uh, Nashville. That Memphis and Nashville piece there. Yeah. yeah. Especially that they yeah, that house show, the last of the tour. Uh oh, I was pretty fucking fried by that too. I thought and I was gonna puke on stage. Like I thought I was gonna puke during my set, man. That was so rough. The, but um, I, wait, what was down there when I did the show down there? Your place? I,
0: when, so yeah, when you were here, the we had a bunch of like liquor and beer for the party we had a bunch of ketamine we we had a little bit of everything and then i think at the end of the night you were like hitting poppers uh pretty fucking hard <laughs> oh in, yeah yeah in yeah. between yeah. the rounds of ketamine and the uh, and just yeah just drinking like a viking the whole time
1: and, yeah, and I, we had to fly the next day. It was the poppers, man. The poppers <laughs> killed my brain the next Such day. a I,
0: no, noxious drug.
1: Oh God. I love those things. But if I don't watch it, I'll do like 20 hits and then oh man, that's just makes you real dumb. Yeah.
0: The that's a drug that I um have done a couple of times and I was just like, man, no. The it's <laughs> There um when you uh when you turn off an amplifier there's like there's a little bit of power left in the circuit so like the you can turn off an amp like play a chord and then you can hear the chord sort of like crackle and fuzz out the and you know to me taking mushrooms or ecstasy or ketamine or whatever it's sort of like you know running your your guitar through effect pedals that it sounds different or whatever the and doing the poppers was just like playing a chord and turning the amp off. And it's just the sound <laughs> of like, oh. I
1: don't know. Yeah. Yep. Well, and most people, you know, poppers are, you know, known uh, typically a sex drug. But I, the first time I hit them while like listening to a fucking, um, you know, like a a, a a King Buffalo song or something like that. I don't know where what it was, but now i don't give a fuck about poppers and sex when i'm listening to like psych rock or some badass shit like that at concerts i hit that and then i immediately become the guy in a room full of people i'll close my eyes and be head banging and just like ah. i'm tripping man and then 40 <laughs> seconds later i'm like oh sorry about my behavior for the last minute it's great i love them. it's the <laughs>
0: I have so much shit I wanna ask you about because one of the things with these podcasts is I'm realizing that I I I know nothing about my friends. The you know, I know like um I know what their drinks are. I know what time of day they take a shit from like being on the road <laughs> together, but I don't know where anybody comes from or like the the trauma that shake, shape shaped them. But the but like you and I have been in so much shit together, all I wanna do is like fucking tell stories about the <laughs> about falling fucking pulling cactus spines out of your back in Bisbee. Dude,
1: <laughs> I was literally, that's the first thing that just popped in my head. That was the next thing I was going to say. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was an adventure.
0: And the, <laughs> and, and like, God, almost overheating the van a million times. Now that I know a little more about cars, I can't fucking believe
1: that we drove. I, i drove that thing everywhere dude and just taking the thermostat out remember it was just that it was that 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 fucking easy yeah the god i wish i still wish i still had that van the um i do too i wish i would have bought it i should have pulled the trigger no matter what it took i think about that all the time
0: the the, the worst the saddest thing is um mary um jeff's wife uh jeff pearson was the guy who made uh the unbookables. Mary um, did a lot of work on it as well. The uh, Mary messaged me recently, Jeff passed uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago of cancer The I had no idea he was sick. Um, and then Mary messaged me um, a couple of months ago and said, Hey, I just got this notice in the mail about the van going up for auction. And they were like reaching out to me about, and I was like, what the, and then I got in touch with the dude who had bought it and it had, it had like died and that which probably means that it needed like, you know, fucking $200 worth of work because that thing right. would run forever. It died in Oklahoma and he like left it there and and he was like, oh, thanks. You know, I forgot the name of the parking garage where I left it. You know, the um, I'll, I'll be sure to get in touch with them. But he'd left it there long enough that it was like three grand worth of fee. Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were charging it at whatever, $30 a day or something. Um, And so the van was going up for auction. And it wasn't, I didn't know what was wrong with it. You know, he could have blown the transmission or something like that, but it was just at the price point where it wasn't worth it for me to like buy it back and
1: fly out there and get it. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Well, and that thing of course would nickel and dime you for the next you know 20 years. But I was just thinking the other day, even just to have it parked out in the alley, my house i just i just want to be able to see that thing <laughs> go out and you know drink alone in it every now and then i just i loved that van so much and the yeah the times we had man i i
0: used to just look out the window here at it like parked in the yard <laughs> and it was always like like oh fuck like shaking your head you know the like love and also terror <laughs> yeah 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 totally but the One of the things that I have to interrogate you about, this is so funny to me, is um, Bandy, who has been a part of your life almost the entire time that we've been friends. And I remember the first time that, I mean, fuck, let's be honest, the first six times that I met her, she had no love for me and she was just like... The like would barely make eye contact with me or fucking shake my hand or anything. And, um, and she's gorgeous. So every time I would like walk into a room, I would, um, you know, I would have sort of temporarily forgotten about her in the last two months and then see her again and be like, who's that little hot cha cha? And then, like, (laughs) then she would just give me a fuck the like side eye. And I was like, oh shit, that's Pogue's girlfriend who hates my guts for some reason.
1: She really and, did, man. She thought you were going to be the the most corrupting influence. Uh, <laughs> little did she know you, you're you the voice <laughs> of reason on the road.
0: <laughs> and then the the last time I saw you guys a couple of days ago, when you um were passing through here, she was like texting me afterwards. Like, yeah, no, I'm encouraging Pogue to stay with you for a couple of days. Cause he's, he's got nothing going on. He's got time off the, you guys are such buddies. The, um, and the evolution of that and the and the evolution of your relationship together. Mm-hmm. Um, the you guys are swingers or you're poly or you're open. What's the nomenclature?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a long story and journey. But uh, um, I mean, non monogamous, you know, is like the easy, the easy term. And then we we have different proclivities things that work for her things that work for me you know kind of found out along the way it's been a been a rocky road uh, as i every every one of them is but you know we've been together this is just crossed six years um and so yeah it, it's it's been wild man and i mean since i think that i met her i might have actually met her at the show that you were on at the boot but it was right around that time wow um, yeah, it was very, very early on. And then, uh, I mean, she went through, you know, when, when I was just grinding full-time comedy nonstop while working a full-time job and then sleeping for six hours. And like, I mean, I was barely a, a, a partner and, you know, she put up with that for a couple of solid years before we started switching stuff and getting things more under control. But she's been there through everything. And, you know, we started monogamous, had non-monogamous and everything in between it's it's so baffling to me because
0: um because i think you're wrong about everything i mean <laughs> the the what you eat the way you work out the um you know the way you fuck this whole like in just enjoying a thing and not feeling bad immediately <laughs> afterwards or not, not even feeling bad in advance of, Oh, before I do a good thing you know or a fun thing, I know I'm going to feel bad. Just that, that sort of aperitif of like the shame aperitif. Yeah. That. The, um, and, but, but man, I mean, it, it, I hate to say it, it seems to be, it seems to work whenever I, um, whenever I see you guys together, you guys seem to be, uh, completely plugged in and engaged with each other and totally in love crazy about each other. And it's, don't get me wrong. I will continue to, uh, enthusiastically shit on polyamory in my, in my material for as long as possible.
1: I think you should um, more people
0: should, but it's so, I don't know. It's so weird to, to hang out with you guys and um, be confident in my head that, uh, no, this thing doesn't work. It's an illusion. And then to watch it unfold in front of me and be like, ah, fuck. Well, all right. This is the exception that makes the rule that uh, love is real, you know?
1: Man, I mean, it, it's really nice of you to say, and I really appreciate that. And we are absolutely in love. I mean, of course, it's like there's been it's been a crazy amount of work, a lot of a lot of trials, a lot of things. But you know, I loved what you and Derek were talking about the other day, and how you know comparing polyamorous people to vegans, and how it's like within the first ten seconds that you meet some polyamorous person, they make sure that you know it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> all of that's true. I, I think it's you know. Better than veganism in just that we have a, you know, a higher tea count and a better handshakes, but it's, it's a ridiculous culture. Um,
0: Did you say a higher I, you tea know, count the, the, and better handshakes?
1: Yeah. You ever shaken a vegan's hand? It's, it's you motherfucker. It's just like, it's just like, you're, you're just like gripping a corpse. It's just, <laughs> they're just not dead yet. I count you as I count you as more of a vegetarian. I've seen you eat cheese when when you I, have to.
0: I just ate a big chunk of cheese and it's gonna. Uh, I'm gonna be coughing up uh, smoked oysters tomorrow for it. So thank you. The um, yeah. The, I mean, this is just an aside. It's funny that we say, "Oh, it's been a hard road." All roads are hard by nature. Oh. That you want a road to be hard too. The you know what would be terrible is a soft road. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's been the thing my whole life that I've always known on some level is that I I I hate being miserable and and, and being at the bottom of life and all of these things. Uh, but what I would hate more is contentment, just quiet contentment. That's always been the thing that I have feared the most. Uh, whatever brief times I have it, I'm immediately bored and I want to light my whole world on fire to get out of it, you know. So uh yeah, but they all are, and I, I've thought of it as, you know, God, I don't want this to be, oh God, I'm going to just sound like I'm teaching a fucking polyamorous class here, but... Go for it, man. The, I, I, like, I, I want to talk about this
0: shit, you know, because it's a puzzle to me.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, I hated it. I hated it my whole life. I hated monogamy, and, and what I've realized being on both sides is that both roads are tough. Monogamy is just... Uh, you're suffering in silence more and in polyamory you're talking about every fucking feeling you have at every second of the day because it's the only way that it works is like uh, communication and that's also the the benefit is you get more intimacy you get more it's more honesty i think in the in that than in in most people's monogamy has a ton of dishonesty whether internal or between the two of you or whatever um so yeah i think they're just (laughs) equally tough in different ways that
0: man, that thing about uh, I didn't I didn't figure you would you'd be able to do it so quickly. But that thing about uh just talking to everybody about every feeling you have, the <laughs> holy shit, you made uh, fucking you just made monogamy look real appetizing <laughs> like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I only have to keep secrets from one person. That sounds fucking great, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah man and i i wish i mean i can't tell you how badly i wish i could flip a switch and be monogamous because it does seem easier it's just that when i was monogamous it was a constant i was constantly not being honest about what i really wanted and what and then you know inevitably in every relationship i was never the guy that like went out and had affairs but i was the guy that ended up cheating i would yeah. get drunk and i'd fuck somebody at some point because i desperately wanted to then i'd go back and i'd tell my partner and that would not ruin it but that was always the beginning of the end and then i would repeat the cycle and you know it's it's crazy man like and i'm i tell this to people too like becoming um, monogamous when when you know bandy agreed to do that mainly for me 100 percent for me um i've had suicidal ideation my whole life believe it or not that is that that almost completely went away i always said like there's always a i was always suicidal to a percent like sometimes in my life i was about 50 percent sure that i'm gonna die of suicide other times it was like 10 percent. after becoming non-monogamous a massive part of that went away because i've realized that that was just a ton of guilt i was living every relationship i was being dishonest and and not you know and just just wanting to fucking be this fucking you know just wanting to do all these these crazy things and then pretending that i didn't and then hating myself for not being able to love someone the way that i was supposed to be loving them and all of that stuff really played a huge role in that, and it was a major part of my mental illness that sounds crazy but it's true
0: there you know there was a time where i was trying to sell a girlfriend um you know, on the idea of non-monogamy because I just wanted to make excuses for me being a whore. The, um, and one of the ideas that I floated to her was that, um, you know, I want to say like a hundred years ago. Unfortunately, it's still going today. There, there used to be a persistent thought that homosexuality was a mental illness or a mental defect, something to be cured, right? That it was... Um, and that it was uh, your sexual preference. Why do you choose to be gay? You know, I pray and, the gay away. Yeah. Right. the And now we understand um, and we have understood for a while. And if you don't understand, fucking understand that uh, people are born that way. They um, Nobody, nobody chose a life where they would be persecuted uh, just for being who they fucking are. Um, yeah. And that some people are, you know, that people are born that way and it's fine. They're, perfect just like that you know it's not something to be cured um and so the idea you know an idea that i floated to her is that you know maybe that's how we are with our um the way we love people our kinks the um you you know the the specific stuff in bed that i feel horrible about the um you know m- different kinks the things that attract me I don't remember ever having a point in my life of being like um oh boobs look great the I never noticed them before the maybe it would be nice to suck on one the it, it never <laughs> occurred to me it's just my entire life I've been like all yeah. hail mighty boob yeah. you know and oh yeah the you know so I mean I, I don't think it's a crazy theory to throw out there that um that people don't choose the way they want to love that it's something either that we're born with um or something that's determined you know so early on like um like kinks and fetishes that it's not something that um that you chose you
1: know Yeah, I think it all all of that goes back to childhood. I always think of it, it's kind of like comedy. I always think like, I think the reason that I'm so attracted to non-monogamy and, uh, you know, group sex and all of these crazy things is uh, just like comedy. It's constant validation. If I'm playing, I'm playing for, I might crush a crowd, but I don't want to crush that same tomorrow. I need a new crowd. I need new people to love me all the time and and tell me how great I am and high five me, you know, like it definitely plays to that same, uh, that same need. Uh, which I was just talking about that with some comic recently, but it's just that, like, um, it, it checks a lot of the same boxes. When we got into <laughs> non-monogamy during pandemic, um, I, when we the, got the The best to time to be, Camp. like,
0: to be sucking face with a bunch of strangers, you fucking irresponsible dipshit. <laughs> yeah, I know the irony.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. As soon as we got quarantined, we got into group sex. So that's uh, <laughs> not great timing. But the when comedy came back around, I remember thinking, ah, I don't really know if I need this anymore. Like, I'm, I got I got a lot of gigs coming up in the the lifestyle world, you know. But it really does. It fe- <laughs> kind of feeds that it comes from childhood, you know. Uh, you know, like all artists, right? Like it's the same stuff. I think kinks are very close to to that same. Uh, whatever brainwave
0: that actually makes a lot of sense because i um i approach um gigs the same way i approach uh love and sex and relationships which is uh with an incredible amount of dread and anxiety of the like oh god i know this is about (laughs) to go fucking horribly wrong i had oh i had so much anxiety this weekend the being out with derek who's you know sort of one of the most sort of thoughtful sensitive comforting people you can be around yeah and we're doing a, a string of no stakes gigs right it's just fun just getting out there and fucking having some laughs and maybe selling a couple t-shirts but the it wasn't going to uh make or break me financially i wasn't about to like win a you know like oh yeah now i have an anchor gig in kingman arizona you know <laughs> uh, and um And I knew that Derek was going to be friends with me no matter how the, you know, no matter how I performed on the shows and how the shows were the, but still every, it was just like poison being pumped into my body. I was just so fucking anxious all weekend and the, um, yeah, for a woman to tell me, you know, the, um, I like you or I want to see you again, or I think you're a great guy. Like I'm giving myself hives right
1: now just <laughs> yeah.
0: just saying that
1: the but, but, but yeah like you know it's all all of that sex and relationships it's all it's really all about us like clawing and scratching for feelings of security and and love you know that's what that's what it is we want to feel safe in the world and accepted and not not alone just like the exact same thing with all of our art with every artist's art is seeking the exact same thing um and I think we all approach those two things the same. Just like like you said, I bet you anything there's crazy parallels between how you approach your your working career as you do your relationships. I'm sure it's the same with me. I haven't dug into that too much, but um, it's, that's interesting. So...
0: Here's another thing, though, is that I think that if somebody was listening to this for the first time, um, they would be like, well, clearly, you know, Mishka a fucking, uh, you know, anxious wreck, a uh, bundle of problems. And uh, this this Pogue character, he has it all figured out. He's Zen. <laughs> he's got that that creamy, low voice that he's just kicking back in a fucking tracksuit and and living a dream life. And the, and you, I've known you long enough and, uh, we've been through enough shit together that I know that, um, that, you know, you come from, uh, a lot of fucking trauma and, and shit, um, from your life before you and I met the, that there have been, you know, certainly been times on the road where, um, you know, where you, you were losing your shit and the, you know, you, when we were at altercation the last time you were quitting comedy, you know, the, which is every comic goes through that. And I've quit and fucking unquit a million times. The, but I don't know. I, I know, I know you have darkness in your head. I know you battle with this stuff. How do you have this thing figured out?
1: I don't, I absolutely don't. I mean, it's a, it's a constant mess. Um, I I, I I it's funny because I do get that a lot from people. I mean, I've had people like really tell me a bunch of times like, oh, and you, you seem like you're uh, you know, I'll admit to some like anxiety or something. And I've had a lot of people who are even pretty close to me say, like, I would I would have never thought that in a million years. You seem like everything's fine. You're confident and whatever. I always think of myself as the least confident person in the room all the time. But I think that comes from, you know, i worked on oil rigs and I worked in these jobs where you had to be, you had to be tough. You couldn't show any of that shit ever. You get eaten alive. Um, and then of course, kind of the same on, on stage. Um, but no, I don't, have any, I don't have anything figured out at all. Uh, Not monogamy, the, the least of it. It's just that it's the one thing that I know for sure about myself is I know that I can never be a monogamous person. And I know it's extremely unhealthy for me to try to do that. So navigating this stuff is not an option. I have to. And I want to do it well because it's just too important to me to treat people that I'm involved with as well as I possibly can. And I've still fucked up and you know, really hurt people from not being from not having shit figured out, you know. But it's it's just very important to me because other people's fucking hearts are on the line too. It's not just me. I mean, it sounds like um,
0: a big part of it is having, you know, is your partnership with Bandy and having a, a person who you're comfortable sort of continually asking those questions with. And Bandy has a tremendous amount of, um, you know, whenever I'm fucking bummed out or I I needed a hug so bad when you guys came through the other day. And like I hugged her like three times within 10 minutes. And <laughs> it, it always surprises awesome. me, you know, how much... Um, how much time and energy she has um for you and for other people in her life and then also for me she seems to have like and not just like scraps you know when i've when i've been really bummed out like i can talk to her and say oh this is bothering me or uh, i feel you know weird about this the it i mean it seems like part of you uh being able to to become comfortable with non monogamy is is having a partner who's Willing to, who's up for that sort of internal or up for that extended exchange of ideas and questioning and interrogating?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, she's gotten burned out by it. You know, when I've been off the rails and needing, you know, coddled, and vice versa, we've gone back and forth. But you're right about her. I mean, her her capacity for for love and compassion is fucking unparalleled, man. And she doesn't she does none of it halfway if she's your friend or she loves you in whatever capacity it is all the way it's staggering um and then you know conversely what i give her shit about all the time is she's really bad at taking care of herself because she cares so much for everyone else yeah she's really bad at doing what she needs to do for her um but that's something she's working on and getting better at and you know yeah but you yeah you're right i mean none of this would have worked at all If she wasn't so amazing, uh, or we just would have been broken up. I mean, that's what would have happened. Uh It was her strength that carried us through most of the the hard times. And then, you know, I can give myself credit here and there, but (laughs) the vast majority was, was Bandy's backbone carrying us.
0: If you're listening at home, the I can vouch 100 uh, percent for what Pogue is saying. This may be the only thing he said that I've agreed with 100. percent Is that it's fucking <laughs> it's all bandy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: No, you you've done the you've done the work too. The and um, you know, I know you. I know that you're a very sincere person. That love is incredibly important to you, and that you know that's been one of the few consistence. in, you know, throughout our friendship, is that I always knew that you were like completely obsessed with bandy and that um you know in in a healthy way the it's it's funny because um I, I always have this conversation with my sister where uh my sister is this the caretaker for a, a bunch of different you know she has four kids and her husband and her fucking derelict brother and you know our our eccentric mother um and the you know so many people who she has to look after and the, I have to remind her if, if this is what you want to do, if this is who you want to be, to be continually caring about a, a, a house full of people at all times, the first person you need to take care of is yourself. Um, and if you do that, then you'll be able to do, um, you know, to do all the other things. And <clears throat> if, if you don't, it will all come crashing down. um, So there's, I don't know, there's a big lesson there about self-care. I think, too, there have been times in my life where I cared about other people um, as a means of avoiding uh, caring about myself, uh, you know, to try and sort of push myself out of the room.
1: That's a particularly fucked up uh, brand of, uh, you know, um, uh, self-abuse or whatever. It's, it's, It's an interesting one. I think it's really common. I think there's an element of that in Bandy's life. Um, my sister is that way too. Her life is insane. She's got two, uh, two kids uh, that she gave birth to. And then she has three adopted kids. A uh, single mom takes care of all of them and does it. And, you know, one of my um, nephews is severely autistic. Another one, uh, was horribly abused. So it, it's just too much to even understand. Um, but some people I think just can do that longer. Eventually you got to take care of yourself and that's going to come crumbling down at, at, you know, to some degree or another. But like me, if I tried to do any of that, I'd last about two days before I flipped out and I became a deadbeat dad and I left, you know, I couldn't do it. I literally couldn't because I have to be I, it takes all my energy to just take care of my own craziness and just, you know, get through the day where people like Bandy uh, and, and my sister, I imagine your sister, your mom strikes me as one of these people that can care for people above herself for a long period of time before it crashes. But I think just people have different capacities for that, you know, for whatever reason.
0: I I, I don't want to contribute to all the men are from Mars, women are from Venus bullshit of flattening the experiences of, you know, male or female down to one thing. But in my limited experience, I've found that women, uh, that ironically women are the ones who can sort of, who seem to have the depth of field mentally and emotionally to 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 like to do polyamory, the to oh, to yeah. carry all those different narratives in their heads. And guys are like, don't talk to me right now because there's an explosion on TV. I won't hear a fucking word you're saying. <laughs> I'm looking at uh looking at a bright color moving quickly and the everything yeah. else is gone. You know, the
1: You know what's crazy in like nominogamy and like a swinger kind of world, what I have found is that 99% of the time when things go wrong, it's couples that are like, all right, we want to do this. And it's always the guy that can't handle it. The guy's the one that he's all for it until he sees his woman with another dude. And then it's almost always the guy that just it just implodes. And I think that, you know, my theory on all of that and, and women's capacity being so much greater than men so often is just because they had to be or very early in life. We've had the privilege to not have to be that way, to not yeah. have to shove down. You know, I was in I'm, I've, I've always been the guy that just expressed my opinion immediately and stood up. If I didn't like what was happening to me, I could stand up against it because I could I could get away with it. I didn't get crushed down if I tried where yeah. women just have, you know, had to deal with that, I feel like.
0: Yeah. It's like, there are so many bands with female bass players because women have been, um, forced to learn how to be part of the group. Mm. And the dudes are like, I'm the drummer. I'm the loudest fucking drummer in this band. I have all the Toms or I'm the lead guitar player. I'm going to put my fucking leg, my foot up on the monitor and just (laughs) shred fucking guitar and the, all over everything. The, um, yeah, it's I'm absolutely that guy. I know that I'm that guy. The um I want the um the penthouse letters uh you know aspect in my life, but the the sort of having the emotional bandwidth and and being able to um to sort of to feel emotionally safe in a relationship when I know that my partner is seeing other people, the yeah, can't do that at all. I you know, I was talking to a female friend recently um and you know she was talking about how like oh you know um you know men you know get real sort of like weird and possessive and like you know they want to own a thing and i was like yeah no i know absolutely <laughs> it's you know it was weird in that moment to be able to recognize that as um objectification and wrong and you know sort of possessiveness and flattening a person down into being your plaything, and in the same moment to be able to recognize like oh yeah that's fucking absolutely how my brain works
1: yeah yeah me too man uh to to a degree it's weird because like when it comes to uh i've never had any sexual possessiveness i don't it doesn't bother me at all If if she wants to go out and have sex with 100 people that has never once been a problem but once we roamed into more emotional connection and she was dating, uh, you know, she has a, a boyfriend and, uh, you know, when they fell in love, that's where I hit the wall. And I mean, hard panic attacks and and crazy unexpected. I always thought when that day came that it would be just as easy for me as everything else had been in non And then, uh, I mean, I I had, I started going to therapy. I was reading books. Like that was a rough road, but it was the exact same thing. is that's where my, my, you know, my, you know, the male uh, ego monster came up and was just like, oh, she can't love anyone but you uh, or "Or that's the end of your world. And that's that's crazy. It's, it's not OK. I,
0: I, I got to say two things at this point. Number one, Bandy, if you're listening, don't go fuck 100 people because that will break my heart. The, I have no romantic connection with her and uh, still uh, shame and jealousy the and number two, I'm so happy that your rock bottom was like man yeah man shit got so bad I was reading books
1: <laughs> Yeah
0: <laughs> oh man yeah, man. yeah you, I don't... <laughs> you go down a lot of blind alleys when you're lost and the one of them led me to literature and I'm you know I just to to everyone involved I just want to say I'm so so sorry. <laughs>
1: well i want to say if you're listening to this bandy don't go fuck a hundred (laughs) people unless you film it film that shit still still out here trying to hustle me (laughs) comedy comedy don't pay
0: i love that you're you're you've been uh you've been dating the same woman for six years and you're still like a fucking pervy creep towards her
1: the oh god every day i i am yeah, man like that's one thing too that i've never had in another relationship is every time she walks in the room it is pure objectification and i've i've apologized i've told her like i respect everything about you but also just jeez just give me just let me get my hands on your ass it's crazy it's awesome i fucking love it
0: i i remember when you guys were staying here and for the show in whatever january or february and um we were hanging out doing drugs having a great time and then um i was like all right what's well, fucking late i got to go to bed and the and you were just like uh hey do you mind if we just fuck here in the living room and i was like man you guys live together you came out here together you've been dating for i don't know how, how long a fucking eternity you still want to have sex like, all right, man, fine. You know, like, I don't, it's not going to bother me, but like, <laughs> really? It just seems a little incredible.
1: <laughs> it, uh, Yeah, um, it, it is a little incredible. Definitely has never happened to me before. Excuse me, in a relationship. Where that, I still really, really, really wanted to have sex with the person after six years. So let's talk about this
0: boyfriend business real quick before we get out of here. The, um, when I saw Bandy posting uh pictures with you know sort of canoodling pictures with this guy on um on instagram and stuff i felt jealous on your behalf i was like <laughs> the and i poke i love you to death you know that i love you to death i would uh i i would I was gonna say I would bury a body for you. I might create a body for you. That's how much I love
1: you. And Thanks, man. I've the, got a list. I'll send you a list, I guess.
0: <laughs> and when I saw this guy, I was like, nah, fucking sit down, pogue. I got this one. You know, the, like <laughs> I'll I'll handle this. I'll take and I'm still sort of like the I know eventually at some point I'll meet this guy and I'm gonna have to like be civil to him and not fucking throw him up against the wall and like threaten him. But Dude, it's gonna be it's will- gonna be hard
1: it's gonna be real you're gonna love him he is one of the best human beings i've ever known we're really close friends his name's willie He's fucking he rules but i totally get it but i can never say enough about what a great person he is it's crazy
0: it just i mean it just goes to show too like how far that programming goes as far as i mean the patriarchy monogamy um, uh, ownership of women, possession of your partner, your partner as somewhere mm. between, um, somewhere between a human being and a pack animal. <laughs> you know the, um, and how much, uh, how much pressure and stuff we put on relationships and monogamous relationships and the my husband, my wife. You know the
1: possessiveness, the yeah, taking the last name. You know all of that weird shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, the. My mom uh, never took my father's last name. And when I was a kid, I, I always thought it was so weird. And now that I'm mostly grown, like, why would any woman ever do that? The It's,
1: it's such weird. A- and I, I get, like, why it's a romantic thing. and You want to do it because you're in love. And, you know, it's fun. Like, how, you know, we want to entwine our lives, but it's just mired in a tradition. It's such an ugly tradition where it comes from. It is yeah. very ownership and possessive, you know? Uh, yeah, that's super weird. So,
0: um, what does the future hold for you? That I know you just, uh, you just up and quit your job like a fucking dum dum. <laughs> uh, it's got, been a great month, man. You got, you got no money in the bank. That I've been hassling you for the entire some money for the entire duration of our friendship. I, I think I sent you a financial plan, didn't I? I was like, number one, uh, Oh, did you lose me? The yeah, I lost
1: figure back. Can you hear me?
0: Okay. I can hear you like um, n- number one. I've been hassling you to quit your job and quit all your shit and go on the road with me. And then I've also been, and then when that failed, I was like, all right, well, here's a solid financial plan so that you can save up a bunch of money so that at some point you'll be able to quit your job and go on the road with me. And and you have done neither one of those
1: I'm furious. Yeah, no, that, that was good advice. You gave us great advice that we immediately ignored. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you you know, you told me exactly like, all right, so this is what you got. Take this much. Don't touch it and just just live like you don't have that. And <laughs> before the sentence was done, I was like, nah, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that at all. But, you know, I don't know. It It's it, it seems to work. The other the good thing is I, I got, you know, I've got another job lined up and it's a good job. I got into sales when, um, COVID hit remote work, uh, turns out I'm pretty good at sitting around talking to people. So that part of it has really allowed me to now, like you said, what's coming up for me and what, you know, our show at the fort and Fort Collins, I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Um, I don't have any big plans and I don't want, I don't want to go back to, I don't want to make it as a comic. I don't want that to be my career. Um, And I genuinely saw, you know, from being on the road, not with you, being on the road with you was great. If everything was like that, it'd be fun. But really the road is, is so much more boring. And I don't know. I just saw a lot of aspects where I'm like, that's not actually what I want to do with my life. Um, And it was killing me anyway. So now I've got this job where I can work from anywhere. So now I know enough people that are really good at comedy that I can go fly to Minneapolis and not care what they pay me. I'll fly out there, do a weekend with JT or you, or, or, you know, say if Sam talent would Sam's going <laughs> to Sam's a little, <laughs> that's a little too big to be bringing me into feature these days, but.
0: I'll even deign to work with Sam talent.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you know, like I'm in this great spot now where I don't care about the money at all. And I've taken that completely out of the equation. So I'm just having fun and, um, yeah, I can do like a lot of wacky shit and not have money be a factor at all. So yeah, you know, uh, my buddy Steve Gillespie is a great club comic and he wants me to go out and feature for him in, in Minneapolis. And I think, you know, I don't know where it is, but like the improv pays 50 bucks a show to the feature. It's dog shit. Who cares? I'm going to do that in a heartbeat. I'll go out there, you know? So that's yeah. the kind of stuff I'm, I'm hoping I can uh, do in the future is just keep working with people I love and just having fun.
0: I I hope you do it, man. I mean, the, you really have the, um, the charisma of a cult leader, like every single person I've ever, um, turned on to your work or introduced you to, they all, well, they all love you more than they love me. So like, go fuck yourself for that.
1: That that is, that is your... That is that is the Mishka head talking right there. That is absolutely not true. But I've loved everybody that you've ever you know introduced me to. It's you know it's these circles. I've list I've seen all the people that you've interviewed on this podcast, and we're all we're all kind of cut from the same cloth. All the ones I know, Dean Del Rey, by the way, that was a great interview. And if I you know if that guy's not one of us. I don't know who is, you know what I mean? Um,
0: yeah, dude, thank you so much for fucking facilitating that, for making that happen. And, and I, huge thanks to Dean for doing the fucking podcast. Cause that was like, that was massive.
1: I texted him over the weekend after listening to the podcast. And because, and I just said like, man, you're just continuing to inspire when I worked with him the weekend over the summer, the guy is just an inspiration in a hundred different ways. And that came across on that. So if you're anybody's listening to this, go back and listen and listen to that Dean Del Rey. Yeah. these guys these yeah. guys are stud man yeah but I yeah can't... that's that's what i want i just want to keep having that attitude that dean del rey attitude of like wake up every day and just be thankful you get to do this shit at all you know
0: well i'm glad to hear that you're finally prioritizing fun in your life i think that's uh I think that's <laughs> gonna work that's gonna work out great for you <laughs> yeah
1: i really haven't been seeking out pleasure enough i think that's <laughs> i think that's my problem <laughs>
0: Well, hopefully, one of these days you'll learn to relax and just get comfortable <laughs> with who you are. The, you know, I was thinking about this the, like before altercation because I sent a picture of my dick to Brennan from Heels. And I was like, sure. the, there's a lot of things about my myself and my life that I don't like and a lot of things that I want to change. But one of the things that I do feel good about is that I'm happy that I feel comfortable sending a picture of my dick to my boys <laughs> yeah. and just be like, does this look infected to you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> was it you? I don't know who said it first, but like I would never, ever solicit a dick pic to a woman. That's for my friends. That's, that's for my guy <laughs> buddies. That's who gets the unsolicited dick pics. Yeah. Uh, oh, Oh. real quick. I want to tell you this story about because uh, we were talking about <laughs> Bandy's boyfriend, Sam Talent, had us over to his house for just some late night, like impromptu thing. And I show up with Bandy and her boyfriend, Willie, and we walk up on the porch and there's Sam sitting there kind of greeting people as we walk in. Said hi to Bandy. Said hi to Willie. They walk inside, and then he grabs me and he pulls me in close. And he goes, Pogue, is that Bandy's boyfriend?" I said, "Yeah, yeah. He's he's great, man. His name's Willie. You're gonna love him." And he goes, "You fucking hate him, don't you? You hate him, don't you, Pogue? You want to kill him? You want to kill him every day, don't you?" And he was getting so into it, so now he always is dropping jokes about how he's gonna murder Bandy's boyfriend <laughs> for me.
0: I'm gonna mad dog this this dude so hard when I meet him. Just, I'm just gonna make it so fucking <laughs> you won't awkward. be able to,
1: man. I'm telling you, he's the best. You won't be able to. You're gonna love him.
0: <laughs> well, I
1: mean, I don't know.
0: Bandy's had fucking good choice in dudes so far. So I guess the I guess the odds are stacked against me. The um softy. Hogue, where where can people find you? What uh what good stuff do you have coming up? What uh do you have shows you want to plug? Are you doing anything other than fucking drugs and orgies? <sighs>
1: Um, I mean, the only show I want to plug is our show, November thirtieth, comedy Fort and Fort Collins. Um, I'm not doing anything of value to other people uh, outside <laughs> of that. Uh, I do encourage people to hit me up on Instagram or Messenger with unsolicited nudes. Um, send those to me all day. I love them. I'll return <laughs> the favor. Uh, no, I, I've got, uh, I've got nothing. Um, no, man. I've got lots of cool shows coming up in like Denver and stuff, just little stuff. But yeah, nothing big plan, man. Just, just this, out here having this fun. This is the uniting
0: thing about everybody on this podcast is that people are happy to talk about their sort of hopes and fears and trauma and, and sort of, you know, and then I'm like, Do you, you have anything to, you want to plug? And everybody's like, no, not really. Not really doing shows at the moment. They're not, nah, I don't want people to buy my stuff. That, that would be weird for me to like sort of succeed at doing a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no.
1: I loved I loved listening. I listened to the both Jake Flores episodes because he's uh, a hero, and I you know I couldn't want to absorb anything Jake Flores does. But he I loved at the end how he said how he's always been very unapologetic about plugging stuff. So he does take those opportunities, but you can tell because it's Jake that he also hates doing it. You know he like hates. We we will we'll, we'll talk about our worst trauma, and then when it's time for self promotion we're like oh jesus i'm a fucking chill (laughs) yeah i love that like ah fucking. in my opinion that's a sign of good character you know
0: yeah the the, self-defeating (laughs) self-hating
1: absolutely Uh, I, i don't know that i could be friends with people that don't yeah
0: bog i fucking love you so much buddy the i can't wait for our uh birthday party spectacular here in february when you and bandy come Hell out yeah. again uh we'll get jt on it the and
1: then we'll all have to take 5 days to recover cuz we're that's going to be braille. fucking amazing hey i wanted to ask you when you do the intro for this episode will you please make it very clear that if it's a member of my family listening they should not listen to this podcast uh i I knew going into this that we were going to end up talking about some wacky shit. And if they want to listen, it's on them, but they don't want to know. So just give them a warning.
0: I'm actually going to burn this podcast onto a CD and <laughs> deliver it to your sister's door. Cause I think I have her address <laughs> saved. So you can
1: thank me later, buddy. Stay away from my sweet sister.
0: <laughs> Pogue. I love you. You're the fucking best, man. Thanks. Thanks a ton for doing the podcast. And I will, uh,
1: fuck. I'll see you like next week. All right, man. I love you. I got your merch. I'm ready to rock. We're gonna have a great time.
0: Awesome. All right. Take care, brother.
1: I right, later,
0: folks. Thank you so much for listening. I know there's uh, some million podcasts out there. We appreciate you uh, you spending your time with us. The um, if you're digging the show, if you're enjoying it, if you if these conversations uh, move you, make you laugh, annoy you, piss you off. Um, please take a minute to, uh, to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it helps us grow the show, and it helps other people find it. Um, if you'd like to hear bonus episodes, song demos, just sort of uh, ranting off-the-cuff uh, conversations, all sorts of different uh, bonus material, writing advice, uh, personal blog posts, and stuff like that. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. Uh, we will be having monthly episodes up there with my mom and I answering uh, questions from readers. And there's all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, thank you so much for supporting me.